Jackson. This is Mr. Frank Dukes. Are our rooms ready? Mr. Lin in room 310 wants to see you after you check in. Who the hell's Mr. Lin? I'm Lin. You Jackson? You look like a Jackson. That will make you Frank Dukes. No, no, no. It's Dukes. Gotcha. Like put up your Dukes, right? Okay, so here's the deal. This is the biggest comedy ever. We got fighters from all over. I've been assigned by the IFAA to help you and the other North American fighters to find your way around. I'm gonna make sure you guys give it your best and don't disqualify by fighting outside the arena. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I am Tristan. And I'm Greg. And today we are delving into a personal favorite, a childhood-defining film for me and many, many red-blooded early teens across the globe. Bloodsport. Bloodsport. It's happening. Our first Jean-Claude Van Damme film. So we're going to be strategic about this, aren't we? We this are. Is, every 10 episodes is going to be a Jean-Claude Van Damme picture, uh-huh. um, taking us all the way from 1988 to 1999. Whatever that last movie is in around that time is where we'll finish <laughs> up. Um, so we're not going all yep. the way up until present, but we'll go within the era yeah, in we'll which go, yeah. we focus. And we won't go any further back. I'm sure there's... Some diehard fans that might be saying, what about no retreat, no surrender? Cameos don't count, baby. Yeah, that was a cameo. You know it. Yeah. Yeah. Albeit a poignant one. But the, the an ambitious goal for this is that we would love to get to the end of do, covering all these pictures. And almost if you listen to every JCVD episode, you've got a mini sort of biography happening yeah. there. We're going to tell his life through his pictures, which we're pretty excited about. Yeah. And we're very excited to see that Bloodspot was pretty much the first. Like, what a great one. Yeah. What a great what, one to start on. A bit of pressure on. to start on, though. Like, it's... it's. I feel pressure. We've had yeah. people telling us, like, you better not fuck this don't up. Don't fuck this up. Like this, you... Don't you... <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't you fuck you, this up. Don't you ever fuck this up. All right. So, given that this is a JCVD special episode, we're going to do things a little bit differently this time around. Uh-huh. So we're going to take it all the way from the top-ish. Yeah. To a young JCVD. What's, what's his story? Take We're us back. Young JCVD. So, there's a fair bit of mixed stuff out there about old John claude Yeah, been hearing this. A little bit of a mixed bag. I think when I was a kid, I had certain thoughts, i.e. that he was like the world champion of all kinds of martial arts, yeah. superstar guy. And then you get a bit older and you hear, oh no, he was actually, he wasn't a big Particularly a big martial arts guy. He did some karate. He was black belt right. karate, but was more of a dancer, more of a weightlifter, more of a bodybuilder. Yeah. So mushing it all together. He's a triple threat. He's a triple threat. He's basically the perfect specimen. Grew up in Belgium. Uh, I think he's got like a Flemish dad and a other. What's the other part of Belgium? Is I don't know. His father invented the question mark. He invented the question mark. <laughs> He, uh, yeah, I think he got into karate pretty young, about 11, Shotokan, I believe, got his black belt. 
I think he got into ballet in his mid-teens because he liked the girls and he liked dancing. We know he's pretty famous <laughs> yeah. for some of his dancing. He can move. We'll get to that. Is that can, kickboxer? That's kick. Oh, well, that's gonna yeah. Be, well, it's probably more. But... Yeah, for sure. And yeah, he was a bit of a bodybuilder as well. I think he had a couple of local titles, perhaps. Yeah. Mr. Belgium. He's not a tall man, though, is he? Uh, he's five, nine and a half, I checked. Right. 177. So that's not particularly tall, no. No. But he can fight, right? Uh, Visually, like, he's got technique or not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, he, I mean, his kicks are pretty outstanding. Like, They're fast, no, though, right? That's yeah. legit. He's I mean, from a, even my eyes can tell that that's a thing. Yeah, that's not easy to do. And the, the yeah. power and control, yeah, definitely there. Yeah, okay. He did point, I think his, like, records and stuff, because, you know, the, <clears throat> quotes all these bouts. Yeah. He says he's got knockout wins. I don't, I thought he was a point. I, I kind of made an assumption he was a points fighter, which uh, you, it's not full contact where you're looking to knock each other out. It's not like, you know, you see in the UFC. Oh, it's more or technical. A little bit. It's pop- yeah. 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 It's, not, yeah. it's not like his characters. It's not like Bloodsport. Yeah, Blood yeah, Sport. yeah. But, you know, he's, you know, in my eyes, he's legit because he's... This isn't like a, well, yeah. We're going to talk a bit about Frank Dukes, obviously, in this episode. He's uh-huh. not a Frank Dukes. He's, it's more like to what extent is he a fighter fighter versus a yeah. technical fighter maybe? Versus uh, entertainment guy. Right. He'd probably beat us up. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> I would mean, just be trying to cuddle him. That would be, be an easy target. <laughs> yeah. I was wide like. Yeah. <sighs> Anywho, I, my understanding is so early, early Jean-Claude, he, I think he was relatively successful at an early age in terms of I think he owned a gym in Belgium. That's right. I heard this. Um, I get it. Yeah, he his, left that. Like, well, this I, is his story though, yeah, too, isn't it? I think so. That's I think right. he like left like a pretty good life because he wanted superstardom. Yeah. And he went to. I think he might have gone to Hong Kong, but he went to LA eventually. Yeah. And was and we'll talk about doing him. some chauffeuring and that. Kind yeah, of. he did lots of odd jobs. He was dirt poor. Um, it's a bit like a Arnold Schwarzenegger scraps. light. Correct. I guess maybe not as extreme yeah. as his journey, but it's still pretty interesting. Yeah. Like, interesting shift. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then he, yeah, I think he was doing all that. Um, he obviously did the Predator bit. He was so, as... Uh, so that's, a, well, that's a good point. So we're obviously starting at Bloodsport as his first kind of leading role. Yeah. I don't know if that would have counted as leading, but it would have been significant. What, what was the Predator situation? He was, uh, he was going to be Predator. Yeah, he was gonna be the The guy. The guy in the suit. I heard the like the costume was a bit different. It looked like an ant man or something. <laughs> Imagine they open the predator suit and there's Paul right in there. <laughs> <laughs> I've been stuck in here. I wouldn't mind that actually. Would, Paul Rudd would have been forty. <laughs> he's always forty. Yeah, he's forever. He looked exactly <laughs> the same. Should open a menswear line forever forty. Yeah, what is Pretty it? Good. Just Beige chinos. Yeah. Maybe some New Balance shoes. Mm. Yes. Um, all right. So they, how old was he when you get to the year 1988? I think Van Damme was like 28, probably 1960. So. 28. And so at this point, he's, um, he's around. Like he's made some small roles in No Retreat, No Surrender. Yep. That so- was... A few years earlier, I guess. Was a couple, I think it might have been about yeah, eighty five or something. Yeah, it's early, and then potentially you could have done Predator, which was eighty six, I think, right? Yeah, and there's another movie. He's in some. He's in one or two other things. Yeah, but, but very, very minor yeah. roles. Then 
we, it's a conscious choice yeah. to, to start with Bloodsport. We, we, I think we just arrived at 88. Should we talk about that year? Is yeah, that, but, that probably oh. means nothing to you that year, though, 88. Me? Yeah. 88's not a big year for you, is it? Is this some kind of sick joke? <laughs> this isn't a Bloodsport podcast. This is an expo podcast. <laughs> expo 88. Wow. I mean... <laughs> What hasn't been said about Expo 88? Do they have high divers, though? About the moon landing. <laughs> the Berlin Wall coming down, the moon landing, end of apartheid, Expo 88. <laughs> That's what they say. That's what I'm told. Yeah. 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 So, I they mean, high divers? We're going to cover that in another episode. <laughs> we're going to cover the high divers of. Oh, the high diver episode? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, to, summar- to summarize, uh, it was good. <laughs> Brisbane really turned on a magical event. Ran for about six did they, months. Did Brisbane peak in '88? Yeah, so, I mean, we did, life well, peaked. time peaked. Yeah, yeah, that's the apex of human it, civilization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seventy countries participated. Seventy seven zero, not not seventeen, seven zero. Uh, you know, the exhibition ran for six months. <laughs> I think it's ending every time. <laughs> <laughs> one more stat. Um, Rihanna was born. And do you know what else started in 88? What? Home and Away. Really? I would have thought that would be earlier. Yeah, probably. Home and Away is a soap opera in Australia for this, our three foreign listeners. For our listener in Spain. <laughs> Hola. Hola. Mac and Me. Was that that year? Do you remember Mac and Me? Yeah. What? Did McDonald's sponsor that? I can't remember. Was there like, it was something weird. It was, was post-ET. Yeah. It was, it was I feel like it was a cash pure... Grab. It also kind of looks like Widget the World Watcher. Remember Widget? I loved Widget. Yeah. Widget the World Watcher. Yeah. And you know, equally, I feel product placement-y. Well, Land, Land Before Time, the dinosaur movie? Closely linked to Pizza Hut in my Pizza Hut? Yeah. 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 Why was that? What happened? Why they, do we both so remember that this so is, This is my... We, I remember it because that was. I was like, "What's my earliest memory of Pizza Hut?" And it was the Land Before Time. I remember the ad, yeah. and then everyone had it on their tow bar. Right. You remember when the cars little... had tow bars? Yeah. And they had it was a puppet for the Land Before and Time, the... and you everyone yeah. would put it on there. I don't think that's what it was for, but people ended up doing that. It just became a thing in Australia where you would be driving around and you see like a dinosaurs VL Commodore or whatever with a, <laughs> <laughs> with a little dinosaur on the back, and that's yeah. it. Just became like a weird thing that you don't notice that you notice, but then when you hear about it you're like oh i don't think i ever saw the movie it's interesting because i re- i don't remember that c- the bumper thing you don't remember that no but ah. i remember pizza hut and land before time right crazy so it's in there somewhere something's in there yeah something's connected yeah 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 um this is a good year man like i don't know how i've had t- people had time to watch movies in 88 what with expo on and all but well here's the thing on Bloodsport. i found a bit like Van Damme's backstory, there's some murky areas on some of the numbers on this one. So, there's a budget of between 1.5 and 2.3 million, and it grossed either 65 million or 12 million. All right. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, that's still a profit, and we all know it was a cultural phenomenon for us teen boys at the time and beyond. Like, it's a a big deal. It's a big deal. So, it it was present. Number one, number 81 in. Hard figures, but critic score of thirty percent. What? Oh, yeah, thirty percent. Critic score for right. Bloodsport. Audience score seventy four percent, which feels closer to the mark. Yeah, 
I'm I'm with the audience on this one, guys. Yep. I assume this was a big deal for young Greg. Yeah, yeah, big time. I, yeah. <clears throat> I can't remember where I first watched it. I've watched this movie a lot. Yeah. Like, I can remember, yeah, I, I watched it probably a lot at Milan's house. Right. With the Serbs. Yeah. He had like a like a granny flat out the back and we'd just pretty much put whatever we wanted on and I think Bloodsport was high rotation at that stage. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. I was exactly the same with my mate Jotto's house. Yeah. And so he had that on VHS and we'd just watch it. Yeah. Like, it was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, Chong Lee's get the shit out of me, man. Like with the leg bone thing. Oh, really? That really like stuck in my mind as like a thing. He was a bad guy. Yeah. Like what an evil presence it felt like. Yeah, I guess he was. He, I mean, he was. He was yeah. So good. Yeah. Uh, we, um, I would say a little bit of an embarrassing admission, something that came back to me when I watched it. Mm-hmm. So do you remember when, skipping ahead in the plot, after he's had uh, he had a sleepover with the reporter. Sleepover, yeah. Um, in the morning, he puts on his undies. Bun and, shot. It's a bun shot. And he does, like, yeah. he, takes, he does like a very particular way of putting them on and does this little like. The butt is last or something. Yeah, and he yeah. goes like tick, tick. <laughs> I thought after watching this movie that that's how you're meant to put on undies. <laughs> I thought you're like, oh, you're meant to do that little <laughs> thing at the end. Like you're meant to like. It did look like a lot more steps involved than I would yeah. usually take in putting on undies. So that's how I put on my undies for like <laughs> 10, 15 years. 35 years. Until I stopped wearing undies. <laughs> <laughs> and more boxes. And more boxes. Sorry, I should finish that sentence. That Remember the boxer craze? Yeah. yeah. Silky, big silky yeah. Davenport. With, with Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes. <laughs> Maybe Ren and Stimpy if you're lucky. Oh, that's a Ren and Stimpy. So, oh. Big, baggy, satin <laughs> boxer shorts. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was probably my earliest memories is Taught me how to put on my undies in a weird way. <laughs> uh, and I watched it a lot. Should we get into the movie? Yeah. Should we play the trailer? Yeah, please. For centuries, the Society of the Black Dragon has sanctioned an ancient rite of combat known as the Kumite. Open only to the world's most lethal warriors. It has never been won by a Westerner. You are not Japanese. I can do it. Now, for the first time, the true story of America's super agent, Frank Biggs, can be revealed. Uncle Sam can't afford to let you get hurt. I'm going to Hong Kong. Frank is going to fight in the Kumite, and we're here to stop him. An awesome human weapon. It's me just looking at it. Who infiltrates the Chinese underworld. I did not come this far to stop him now. Take him. Enter a forbidden competition. Couldn't you just get me in? Strict rules, no press. You're telling me you never break rules? Where every fighting style, every worthy opponent, every deadly technique clash in savage combat. Time to separate the men from the boys. And only one will triumph. Now I will break you. International martial arts sensation Jean Claude Van Damme in Blood Sport, the true story of the ultimate champion. How was your rewatch? What was the? How did you feel? Um, 
It was. It was. I mean, it's great. Lots of nostalgia. Lots yeah. of nostalgia. Floods of it. Floods. Um, and I'll caveat any criticism I give the rewatch with saying I think this movie is perfection in a cultural. Yeah, it's a cultural icon. I feel like I have to make a similar caveat. Yeah, just I so I'm you. gonna, you know, if I lay some shit on this movie, it's just in spirit of jest. Yes, <laughs> because there's some, it, you know, there's some appalling acting at points and plot, yeah, you know, yeah. so so they came. They were because I feel like it hadn't been that long since I've seen this. I was like, I haven't, I've, I've seen this probably in the last couple of years. I probably haven't. I've probably not seen it for a good ten years, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Guessing, and I think when I have, I've just kind of had it on and not actually watched, watched it, it, watched it, yeah. and just wait for the fight scenes. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a bit. Then that's yeah. the bit where that happens, but not <laughs> actually just sat down and watched it beginning to end. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff <laughs> I forgot, and I was yeah. like, oh, huh, yeah, don't remember that being a bit weird. Some things had aged since I last watched it. You mean you're not going to call the carps? <laughs> what kind of a deal? <laughs> That's a young Van Damme right there. Yeah, apparently. that's a young Frank Dukes. What was his, his real name? We found a Pierre Ruffini. Pierre Ruffini, possibly the greatest Razzie of all time. Amazing. It's like it's one of those ones where he looks like he doesn't know where to put his hands. Like he's, it's like he accidentally stumbled on set when he broke into that house. Like he's <laughs> stoned or stupid or something. I don't know if it's dubbed or something. It's, every, none of it yeah, makes it's so yeah, weird. No, yeah, it's awful. That was the biggest thing for me, especially that section of the movie as a whole. I think I just forgot it existed. And they bounce around from like chronologically. It's like so that's the lo- I, there's flashbacks I read, and forwards. It's the and- longest flashback in any movie because it's like 15 minutes of flashback or something. Because it's it's not yeah. just it's different to have a flash <laughs> a, a a different setting of time for a portion of the movie. But this is a flashback because it keeps cutting back to Van Damme's face. Yeah. through all of it uh-huh. for like what I guess works out to be. I don't know, a sixth of the whole movie? <laughs> yeah, it's not a long movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> yeah, what about you, man? Did you... Yeah, so that I had a lot of that with some of the earlier pieces. I thought Shidoshi was, like, best actor in the first 20 minutes because he was basically the only one acting. And then um, Bolo, uh, uh, Chong Lee was as scary as I remember. But then, like, in the, yeah. on a different level, I was like, oh, fuck, man. This guy's yeah. fucked. I thought like, he was, like, he... cooler now. I was like... Until he killed the guy, I was like, man. Yeah, that's actually true, which that was good. Sorry. It was... It was a... He, let, he killed him Because I late, ignored that as a kid. I was like, yeah, they're all... I thought they were all dying. Yeah. But I didn't really think about it. Yeah, he kind of held like, him and then he broke his neck or whatever yeah. he did at the end. It's like that, he was... Yeah, I didn't he like... He was like, yeah. We'll get through another plot, yeah. I guess. But, um, yeah, because I, I watched this with my wife. I think that was a good test in taking off my nostalgic yeah, goggles because there, there were things, sure. especially in that beginning part, that I couldn't defend. And so I guess I have to admit that they're <laughs> like, objectively what not... What could you defend? Yeah, like they're objectively not good filmmaking, but in the end, you end up with a good film, if that makes sense. I don't know. It just works. It's, don't ask questions, people. Don't ask, yeah, yeah. Don't ask questions. Um, I didn't realize that Chong Lee was supposed to be Korean. This is a small one. Oh, and I kind of thought of like an interesting lens on this. This is quite literally a romantic a romance between Jackson and Dukes. Yeah, because romance, it, and he he falls quickly and hard. Like they love each other. <laughs> yeah, they really love each other. They just played one karate. They really game. hit it off. They really hit it off. It's beautiful. When John, he's an old romantic. Now, what can you remember the exchange? 
Uh, yes. You like this kind of fighting, huh, kid? Uh, yeah, I'm here for the kumite. Aren't you a little young for full contact? Aren't you a little off of video games? <laughs> yeah, that's that was right. good. That was an actual game, apparently. Uh, I forget yeah. what it's called. Is Karate Masters. I, I thought it looks like, like bullshit. They made it for the movie uh, or something, yep. but it's a real game. Yeah, it looks pretty shit. It's a nice meet cute, I guess. And then if they meet Lynn. Romance terms. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. All right. Should we get into the backstory of the picture? Yeah. I wanted to zoom out a little bit because I thought it was worth noting. Um, we've done a few action movies of this era, and and because this is part of the uh, uh, the Van Damme, what do you call it? Dectology? Is that ten movies? Maybe. Uh, it could be. Could be. Let's run with that for now. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it would be do it the service of zooming out a little bit and just seeing where does this fit in the context of where we're at at this point. And we can talk a little bit more about whether this counts as an action movie, air quotes. I think it kind of does. And I think as we go through the filmography of Jean-Claude Van Damme, we're ultimately talking about action movies. So where does the Jean-Claude Van Damme journey start on that journey of action movies? Uh So I was thinking into this. I thought it was interesting that the 60s action movies were very much like westerns. Yeah. There was all the spaghetti westerns. The What's his name? Leon, whatever. What's his name? Sergio Leone. Yeah, there you go. So the 60s. Westerns, Sergio Leone, like that was that kind of era. Those were the action movies we had. Uh-huh. Uh, moving into the 70s, you're getting more Dirty Harry types. They're kind of grittier. The world's a tough place out there. Yeah. James Bond films got a little like, there was still James Bond films, but they got a little bit of like uh, darker and shit. Um, then in the early 80s, then you're getting like Mad Max 2 and Escape from New York and there's sort of this fantastical fun vibe a little bit. Yeah. But then we're getting to mid-80s and this is where the big guns come out, the action stars. the so Stallone's around before then, but he's not really doing the action yeah. movies at this point. This is when we're getting like... Commander's probably around now, yeah, around I would have thought. Yes. And this is, as we've, we like to call them, the, the lap pack emerges essentially at this uh-huh. point. The lap pack, the, the Latissimus Dorsey crew, the guys with wings, the big fellas, the Stallones, the Arnies, the I, Van Dams. I would argue that this is a sub-genre. This is a martial arts movie. Yeah. Within, so this is the question I wanted to pose to you. Yeah, okay. yeah. Sorry. That, that's basically the question because I was like, so is this, is this the lap pack meets martial arts? Like, is this the kind of overlapping yeah. area? Because it's not hardcore Hong Kong. Yeah, because it's, it's a Western movie. It's not quite. It's a bit. And Chong Lee Bolo pretty much becomes a lap pack guy because he's in Double Impact. He's in like a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, he's not. He's not. He's tertiary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you so, could imagine him being in an Expendables movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. should be. So that, that he, then he is. You know, yeah, in my okay. book. <laughs> that's the. That's, the, <laughs> that's, that's the basically the test. filter, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's look. I mean, it's Chuck Norris, Michael Dudikoff. They're Hollywood guys, but they're they're you know martial arts guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Stallone and uh, and Arnie are just are more just like muscles. Yeah, well, that's in terms of his technical skill set, but in terms of the the cultural movement, I guess. Yeah, but it's, it's, in the it's, same it's, it's the overlapping period. I guess. Yeah, there's nuances. You're seeing you're seeing flavors of both of the different yeah. dishes kind of come together a little yeah. bit. The um. You would see it in that same DVD collection. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it is that world, but it's sort of a different flavor. You could I happily guess. claim it as one of your favorite actions in the same breath as Commando. Yeah, yeah. It's for you, example. You, you, no one would bat an eyelid. No. Yeah, so I think that's interesting, just uh, broader context. Uh-huh. But I guess we can't really talk about this. I was, tr- was this was a really tricky one to find a starting point in. Like, well, so where did this begin? And I guess we have to start with 
good old Frankie Dukes, the real Frank Dukes. Like put up your Dukes, right? Yeah, like <laughs> that's the part I remembered from a kid too, actually. Yeah. yeah. Lynn. Um, and so Frank Dukes obviously is who Van Damme plays in this movie. Uh-huh. A mysterious character in real life. So mysterious. Supposedly based on a true story. And when they made this movie, I think the general consensus was it was probably a true story. Uh That's why you see that shit in the credits where it's like he went on to win win everything. everything. And knocked out a man in negative three seconds and had 59 knockouts in a row. In one second. In one second. (laughs) With his pinky. (laughs) With his pinky. It was... I guess no surprise then that later on this started These to get questioned. Were brought to you by Frank Dukes. So he's a really interesting guy. We're probably going to... Frank Dukes might come up in a few episodes, so we're not going to go super... I mean, we're going to cover him within this the world of this movie, but he's going to come up on a few other movies to come, particularly... The Quest. The Quest. I always get mixed up with Legionnaire in my head. I know he said Legionnaire. Like, the Quest the other is... One. Yeah, the quest, the quest is worse. Yeah, The Quest. Which, Maybe we um, can bundle that. But this is basically Frank Duke's JCVD Chapter 1. So he really came to fame um, or came to the public eye in uh, an article that was originally published in Black Belt Magazine, which I believe Greg probably subscribes to. Uh, I used to subscribe to Blitz Martial Arts Magazine, which was an Australian one. Yeah, Ah, yeah, they probably borrowed some editorial from them, maybe. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's sick. That's so good. (laughs) I did. That's it's a good. website now, I think. I think uh, it's still going. So good. Shout out um, to Blitz. So that story covered his CIA missions in Asia in the 80s. Infiltrated, of course, the secret Kumite tournament. Yeah. Of course, infamously uh-huh. won and broke a million records. Um, and so it has been since pretty much accepted as bullshit. But he is a really interesting dude. So he's going to come up throughout the episode. But He's pretty the feisty. Of, he is seems. feisty. He's... Um, He's got a lot to say about a lot of things that a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not the least of which is the person who wrote this film. So Sheldon Letich, Letich, Letich. He uh, met Frankie Dukes. I think they had the same agent or something, and he was helping him cut down his Vietnam War novel, The Last Rainbow. Oh, mm, the Last Rainbow. The Last Rainbow class. <laughs> I was there. Starring Tristan Well. <laughs> Um, well, they apparently hit it and off. Frank Dukes Jr. Frank Dukes Jr. He would have been there. Yeah. Um, they hit it off. Frank obviously told Sheldon all of his stories. Uh, Sheldon says, you know, I knew these were mostly bullshit, but what a great idea for a movie. Yeah. We, um, we just kind of hit it off as, uh, as friends back then. We're driving around one day, and he was telling me about this secretive... Um, martial arts tournament that he'd been to a few times called uh, the Kumite. And he said that a nickname for the event was Bloodsport. Well, this rang a bell, like a rang a big bell for me right off the bat. And I said, that's a great title for a movie. In fact, this whole, con- this whole concept that you're talking about, the secret martial arts contest called uh, the Kumite, that sounds like a cool idea for a movie. Mm. So this guy, he had a writer credit on Rambo 3. Yep. So his profile was growing. And this Rambo gave three, him a, Rambo 3 hadn't been released at that point, had No, it? I think he had written, it hadn't come out yet. But it, but it had been written. It had been written. I think when, it came out the same year. Blood, like 78 or something. I think, ages. It, I think Rambo 3 came out in 88 as well. Wow. That's Maybe 87 I remember the billboard. You had the big, you know, bazooka gun thing. That's what I have in my head too. 
But yeah, apparently this guy had a writer credit on Rambo 3, gave him some cred. Uh, so it got him a bit of leverage to have some meetings, and he met with uh, a bit of a super producer at the time, Mark DeSalle. Uh-huh. And he is he's one of these guys, he's a lap pack producer, basically. Yeah. He's done Kickboxer, and he actually pitched uh, Kickboxer to Sheldon. Um, and Sheldon rebuttaled with a suggestion of Frank Dukes's story of the Kumite. Beautiful. Yeah, so that's uh, that's uh, wheels are in motion. Um, things are getting written. Next comes the casting. So there's a few conflicting stories here. We know where it lands. It lands with none <laughs> other than a 28 year old boy man. He looked very young in this. He's always <laughs> his voice. Looked... Watching new clips, doing research for this, his voice was a lot higher in this movie than like. Yeah, he's had a big. He's had a life, a hasn't big, he? He's had a big 35 50 years. years. Yeah. yeah. So. I've got three versions of this story. Story one is Jean-Claude Van Damme spotted the head of Canon Films, <laughs> saw the, the head of Canon Films, shot off his high kick, was hired on the spot, $25,000. Wow. 25000 In 88. Yeah. Wow. Dukes has a version which is that Sheldon saw him on uh, No Retreat, No Surrender in his cameo and thought, this is my guy. Uh, but actually... The man himself has the official story, but I don't know how much more true it is, So, but it's pretty interesting. It's a funny story. Um, I always want to meet Menachem Golan because, you know, he's number one action film in the States right now, especially on karate, ninja film and everything. So I call Canon and I say, I've got an important meeting with Menachem. He know me, I'm leaving tomorrow for France. And I didn't tell the truth, by the way, but... So when I met him the first time, I did my split. Right. I show my muscles and I say I'm the best and I'm not too expensive right now. Take me now. He said, you got it. This is blood sport. Wow. A lot of people are comparing you to Bruce Lee. How do you feel about that? I think Bruce Lee is Bruce Lee and Jean-Claude Van Damme is Jean-Claude Van Damme. A lot of people are comparing you to Bruce Lee. Who would be doing that? That's a... Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not counting my damn with that. Yeah, but they both like kicking things. They like to kick. Sheldon Latich, Latich, he's also one of our guys. He's basically a he's basically a lap pack director. Yeah, he went on to write and or direct a whole bunch of Van Damme joints, Lionheart, Double Impact, our namesake. Um, but yeah, this guy's a lap pack guy. He also did a few Dolph movies. The yeah. Last Patrol, for instance, which I've never heard of, so you know it's good. Dolph has made a lot of movies we've never heard of. <laughs> Great man. And then, like I said, co-wrote Rambo 3 with, with Sylvester Stallone himself. Mm. Um, this film was directed by a man named Newt Arnold, which by my calculations would have been at least 66 years old Clickety at this click. point. Clickety-click. There's not a lot on this guy online. I mean, he's he's... Done some things here and there, not to diminish what he's done. He's done some significant things. Well, don't you diminish career, it. But the most significant thing was he was assistant director on Godfather 2. Ooh. Yeah. And then so I, he's directed a few other things, but he's gone from assistant director on Godfather 2. and One of know, the greatest films ever made, arguably. So I guess it's a natural trajectory. Plot twist, though. I don't think the product he made was that strong initially. So the story goes that this movie sat on the shelf for a while. The timeline gets a bit burgy here because it came out in 88 and like Rambo 3 was already written. So it couldn't have been on the shelf for that long, but they say the show, it was on the shelf for a while and um, it needed to be re-edited. So who do you reckon came in to fix the editing? Scorsese. 
You, that would have been a pretty good option. Try again. Frank Dukes. <laughs> that, that would have sounded like the right answer. One more time. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Jean-Claude Oz. <laughs> Damn it. So he comes in, saves the day. What? Um, apparently it was on the He on edited the shelf. it. So it was about to go straight to video, and they're like, no, we could save this movie. And he um, he teamed up with, uh, I guess, some in-house editor. Jackson. And I think they're probably the actual editor. Berlioz. Young. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like he focused more on the fight scenes, which maybe he probably had a better sense of how to cut that together. That would make sense, I guess. What sense does he have of anything at this point? <laughs> yeah, I've read this at a few sources, yeah. so it feels like there's some truth to it. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, I'm not yeah. arguing. I just, it's, just, uh, it's just a weird thing, though, isn't I it? I think they're out of money, so they're probably like... Yeah, have a shot, yeah. And he's like, well, i got nothing else to do. He probably had the most invested... Oh, yeah, the, the this, was his, this is it. Um, Frankie Dukes was, of course, involved. Yeah. So at this point, there was, there was less questioning his legitimacy... And he was actually highly involved to the point where he claims he co-wrote the film. He says he wrote a script called Enter the Ninja. And Dukes has a lot to say about this movie. He has a lot to say about Van Damme specifically. Uh-huh. And they went. They had ups and downs. At this point, they were good buddies and they had a falling out later on. But this is him talking specifically about Van Damme on this picture. He says, all I'll say is this. Jean-Claude is an okay fighter and a great performer. He really wanted the part and was so anxious that he almost separated his shoulder trying to do something he didn't know how to do. I trained him three times a week and taught him to fight for the movies. We learned together how to make him look great on screen. Uh-huh. So that's one of those kind of backhanded compliments. It's a backhanded compliment. Yeah. It's like, Sounds like something Seagal would exactly. say. Exactly. I, I, that's where I've been getting to with this. It's very Seagal. Yeah, he's very Seagal in that kind of tactic there. You know, do you know Van Damme? No. Uh, <laughs> you, you've heard of him. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with him, Stephen. Uh, what, what do you think of, of his work? As a martial artist, first. <laughs> change the subject? Well, I mean, because, like, you guys go back to the martial arts world before you were movie stars, right? I mean, he was, like, a, a champion somewhere, and, right, I mean, you... Well... I mean, I, I just promised all my mentors that I was going to be a good boy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's a matter of opinion, that he was a champion anywhere. You know? <laughs> and, and I mean, you know, I'm not being catty or anything. I wish the guy all the best. But there are an awful lot of people who say that that's not true. How about Jeff Speakman? Nice guy, huh? <laughs> Yeah. Seagal didn't have to be a dickhead then. No, but he's a dickhead. Because so. at, at least Dukes gave him a back at a compliment. He could have at least done that. Yeah. Oh, man. I get where he's maybe where he's coming from and he's like, you know, I do the real thing and that's just on screen or whatever. But you can't fake it at that level, in my opinion. Especially in movies those days, you're not cutting between... It's not two-second cuts where you can make someone look like they're fighting just by clever camera angles. Like, he's doing stuff. You can't fake those kicks. Yeah. They're they fast. Are, they are legitimate, controlled, fast, powerful. I actually kicks. laughed because his foot Seagal, showed up on such Seagal, an angle. Seagal couldn't do a fraction of those Seagal kicks. Seagal can't That's do just... that. He can't lift his arms over his head. Whoa. Oh, I'm sorry. Shots fired. <laughs> but he can't. Get a laugh in your face. <laughs> um, no, Van Damme's kicking ability is, uh, is exceptional. And he's still really good at that. I've seen him do that these days. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that... It, 
I mean, I don't know all the technical details and like what he's been champion of and whatnot, but the man's got skills. He's got some sweet, sweet kicks. Undisputable. Undisputable. Without dispute. All right, so back to Dukes. He was involved in the movie, like I said, and he was actually the fight coordinator. So the fart coordinator. The fart coordinator. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. what Carol calls me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome. Production was delayed for a long time because he was looking for a baritone. And <laughs> <laughs> all right. In all seriousness, he was involved as fight, fight coordinator. Fight. Fight. Hound hon. Fight. Fight. Dun 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 dun. Yeah, that's shit. So he, yeah, he was actually involved. He was even involved in the costume design because they uh-huh. had costumes, yeah. and now he was like, "I call bullshit on that. That's not what we did." And he got his wife to buy some shit and send it over. Yes. Yeah, so there was they they put on a bunch of silky pajamas for everyone, and he's like, "Oh, these are a bit shit. There's no more money to fix or make anything else." Yeah. Which is in, there's interesting, and I don't want to drag the conversation in a different direction, but the bike pants were, uh, that Van Damme oh, was in yeah. one of the fights is, uh, is it the final fight? Maybe. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm probably getting mixed up now, yeah. He wears bike pants in one fight, which um, is pretty progressive, actually, as it, as it turns out. Really? Sorry, go, yeah, absolutely. But I'll come back to that. Go on. Just as a fashion bravery. <laughs> yeah. Kim Kardashian wears them now. So yeah, my Jim, Ka- Jim Carney, my father, <laughs> pushing Car- pushing fashion boundaries since forty three. He uh, saw Bloodsport. He was like, "Huh? Yeah, he was doing it before you could Bloodsport. do that." He used to like to wear it to my sports matches. He oh. wore his lycra. He oh. was early in the um, middle aged mammal in lycra movement. Oh man, pioneering you might say. <laughs> uh, So it does get a little bit murky there. The details. Uh, as we get closer into production, but just to call out a few key casting decisions, you got Bolo Young, Young, Yi Young, 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 um, obviously playing the formidable yep. Chong Lee, and he's a really interesting character. He's been in, I counted, I had to oh, count it up manually because I couldn't find the number, but it looks like it's been in over 85 movies. I bet. Maybe even, I think it's close to 100. He's a he's a a, a massive legend. There's, yeah. there's not much else. He seems like a. I mean, he's scary as fucking this, but full of charisma. He's full and you of see charisma. Him, you see him interviewed and shit, and he just seems so cool. He's too. so cool. And apparently, he's like the nicest guy. Yeah, he seems very zen and yeah. shit. We follow his son on Insta. Like yeah, they seem like seems they seem cool. He's less, more, a bit more intense. Yeah, yeah, a bit more but shreddy. But this guy Bolo, he was Mister Asia for a while, right? He was a bodybuilder. Body- he yeah, and and I, I'm not sure he is anymore. But for a good period of time, he was president of the Australasian Bodybuilding Association. He's big in the in that world, right? So he's got a lap pack cred right there. Even. Man, he's the trap pack. He's trap. He's pack. got he's trap pack. He's the sole <laughs> member of the trap pack. Yeah, the biggest traps. Oh ever. man, and he's, he bridges a gap. He's got this phone is- books resting on his shoulders. <laughs> fucking beast. Ah, oh, he's the best. He makes his breastlesses dance. Yeah, yeah. He invented the electric boogaloo with the, the titty shuffle. <laughs> but he, he bridges the gap from Bruce Lee to Lap Pack, basically, right? He yeah. was a Bruce Lee lad. He was in Enter the Dragon. Yeah. He was in it, other Bruce Lee movies. He was Ooh, in a bunch of Kung Fu movies. But... I don't know that he was, actually. Um, but he's mate, he was good mates with Bruce Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I had it here. 
Bolo met Bruce Lee when they were filming Winston's cigarettes commercial. Ah, I did read that. Yeah, yeah. what a weird. I would love to see that commercial. Yeah. And then, of course, there's Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Real name, Jean-Claude Camille Francis Van Virenberg. It's a very long name. I can see I can see why I he can see it. why he but he should but he st- but he didn't just change it to Charlie Sheen. You know what I mean? Like he actually still stuck with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Well, I remember him as Van Damme like in the early early days. They just said Van Damme. I'm sure that we just said uh, Van Damme. I'm positive. That's interesting. Yeah, I could see that. It was always Van Damme. Huh. In uh, so much so that I thought his name was Van Damme. Yeah. I could see myself probably thinking that at some point. All right, so that's all I got on um, the backstory here. Good backstory. Yeah, Lots of it's, good. It's rich, it's isn't good, it? Isn't it? It's, so much, and I feel like there's even more. Like I would have. I mean, I'm sure as we go through the other movies, maybe if we find out the, any other juicy details on this one, we'll yeah. include them. Well, but, the beauty of delving through his entire catalog is we're we're allowed to we're allowed to work along the uh, the time spectrum. Yeah, we can bounce yeah. backwards. There's and more chapters to yeah. cover. Should we go through the plot? Yeah, I'm pumped to go through the plot. It's rich. Yeah. So as we've, I think we mentioned earlier, the the confusing mess that is the first half of this film is flashback heavy. Yeah. Um, at a few record breaking. Yeah, at a few various stages, there's, it feels like there's flashbacks within flashbacks. So <laughs> to decode this David Lynch esque masterpiece. <laughs> Um, you know, I kept thinking I was watching Mulholland Drive at points. I'll recount there the plot. There is an overlapping. There's some kind of Venn diagram somewhere where this, yeah, <laughs> does. I'm not going to try and solve <laughs> it. I'm just going to do this plot in chronological order. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. So we cut back to, I, I guess it's the 70s because if you do the math on 88, yeah. 88 being when he's in the tournament. Yeah. Or earlier, I suppose. This, um, we're at a young Frank Dukes. Yeah, he's dressed in like San Fran Giants gear. He's looking very 80s. Well, this thing is wearing San Francisco Giants hat and New York Giants shirt. Oh, is that a New York Giants shirt? <laughs> <laughs> so either he supports multiple teams or he just likes Giants. Yeah. I want to be a Giant one day. <laughs> Not going to call the car. Where's it set? Uh, I don't know. Because I was trying to work out from the teams. That's New York well, Giants, isn't well, it? Well, yeah, top? New York yeah. Giants. And San- he's yeah, still yeah, knows? <laughs> it just means America. Yeah, I, Giants. So he's wearing double conflicting Giants gear, um, <laughs> and I assume he's mid-teens. Anywho, so the kids, uh, we open on a scene with kids breaking into a house who are climbing in through an empty window, into a lounge room where there's a samurai sword prominent in display. They hear someone coming in the room. Two of the three guys like, shit, let's run. They get out. And they climb out the window they're still standing next to. Yeah. Drop the sword. And this Frank Duke, well, we learned to be Frank Duke's young Frank Dukes, just kind of like stands there like, what are you doing, Frank? And he just stays in the room. I also love the dialogue going in, though. It's just like, if you're one of us, like something yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Get cool, in. man. Yeah. <laughs> Join the gang. So he kind of... Um, <laughs> he just kind of paralyzed, isn't he's he? He's paralyzed. And then a father and son enter the room, the homeowners, and like the little kid just gives like a little sidekick, or I'll say round kick to the guts, drops, drops Frank Dukes. And he's like, that's enough. He's like, yeah, like a good Asian daddy says, go back to your studies. Yeah, <laughs> and the little kid leaves the room. Go the stereotypes. In the in the rewatch, the re rewatch because I watched this two one and a half times in the last couple of days. Yeah, I found that I one mis detail that I didn't get the first time was 
it seems like what they were trying, what is I think what you're supposed to get, which I didn't get, was he is putting the sword back at least. Yeah. So it, he feels kind of yeah. bad. I think I honestly didn't get that until like that last time. I was like, he's oh. a good guy. Yeah. So he gets dropped by the kid, and then the the sends the kid away, and the dad's there. He turns out to be Shidoshi. He uh, he takes the sword off him, and he goes, "You cannot steal the Tanaka sword." You have to earn it. And then he goes, and cuts off the brim of his yeah. West Coast Giants apparel. <laughs> and he says, you do not flinch. You have fighting spirit. Yeah. Because That was the flinch. test. That was the test. You passed. <laughs> you passed. <laughs> he did. You passed. You passed. Uh, anyway, so then Shidoshi-san decides that he's going to try and get this kid to come over and train with him. So he... Gets the guy's parents over, says, your kid's going to come and train with me. It's good for him. But then it turns out he's just getting him over there to, like, you know, be the du- crash test dummy for his I won't be your kid. punching bag. You you told me you were going to teach me to fight. It's kind of Mexican. <laughs> I think it was Cheech. He's yeah. definitely stoned. He's <laughs> definitely stoned. He doesn't know where he is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Am I still in your house, man? <laughs> <laughs> you owe me a new hat. <laughs> I'm going to credit card. <laughs> and then, uh, then it gets a bit weird. It cuts to this scene where he's at school, and all of a sudden, Shidoshi's kid, the one that beat him up in the first place, is getting beat up by other kids, and he like saves him. Yeah, which doesn't make sense because he kicked his ass, and then he stands there he like this, know how to, yeah. like a twenties boxer. <laughs> Put him up, son. <laughs> Like a carnival it's so boxer. Odd. It's so odd. Like, it's because you could it's just. So odd. It's terrible. It's terrible. And you don't need it. Just don't have it in there. Yeah, it's like if you're back in the editing room, Van Dam. Just don't have that in there. There must have been better shit later on. They could have kept. Yeah, because it's only 130. But all you minutes. need to get is that he broke into One his house. You, you're connecting the dots already. You don't need to know that he saved him at school. Like it's fine. We get it. Yeah, just cut the scene. You'll Not be better off necessary. without it. Yeah. Then they cut forward and it's a this is the chronological bit he's back there seeing him because yeah. his son has died how did he die i don't know yeah. is he died did he die in the kimite or something they should have made that because that would have been chong lee killed him yeah chong lee should have killed him maybe yeah they should and have. he wasn't allowed to go the first time and he just heard yeah so then you know he's back there paying respects for his brother you know yeah Shidoshi's son, who's brother. like, yeah, like a brother. I like keep a changing brother. the accent. Brother from yeah. another mother. Yeah. He, and he's like, I want to fight the Kimite. He's like, you're not Tanaka. He's like, and then he goes this Bruce Lee reference. I think <laughs> it's a Bruce Lee reference. He's like, you told me that to learn from any style, not to be thinking about the style. Yeah. Some kind of one of those things. Something like that. Yeah. The style but then something thing. else. And to have an open mind. To have an open mind. That's it is. And then they've had this teary moment. And then, then it cuts to a montage. And then he's a white belt then. It cuts to this montage of him learning from Shidoshi as an adult. Was he adult. a white belt then? Well, in the in the clip he is. Like, he's wearing a white belt. Yeah. And he was grown man Van Damme. Yeah. Grown damn. <laughs> grown damn. What, van man. Like, what, are you a white belt? But weren't you grown learning damn, since van you were a kid? Why are you still a white belt? You're worse than me. I thought I was the only grown white belt. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit weird. But there's a great training montage. A really good one. 
Next minute, we're in modern day times. Frank, well, modern eight, modern day eighty eight. <laughs> Frank's getting ready for fresh back from the expo. Yeah, yeah, he's on his way to expo. <laughs> Frank's doing some spinny kickies on a speed bag at an army base somewhere. We learn that Frank intends to, um, you know, split from the army. Well, bail on the army momentarily to go and fight in this tournament to represent Tanaka in Hong Kong. So he hits the road, makes a pit stop at Shadoshi's house, who's quite unwell. He's having a snooze in a bed, looks quite comfy, and his wife, and he's off to honkers. The army sends a, a bit of a comedy, comedy duo after him. One <laughs> half is... Forrest Whitaker. Ghost Dog. Ghost Dog himself. The way of the samurai, Forrest yeah. Whitaker. Last king of Scotland. King of Scotland. Um, fast times at Ridgemont High. The, yeah, the jock. The jock. He was the football jock. And that was... I guess was that that was like five years before this though. Is it five years? I don't know what he did in between, but um, probably had a pretty good a, time. We've got Oscar Wilde, Forrest Whitaker in Bloodsport. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of awesome. I love that little duo. <laughs> it's a weird duo too. It feels underdeveloped. Like he keeps trying to talk and the other guy interrupts, but it's not really like Explained. established as a. But they're both good actors. I mean, yeah, it's early Forrest Whitaker. The other guy's in, been in like Tower Inferno right. and a bunch of stuff. Like he's. I wonder if there was more to it that got cut or something. I would have loved a more of a, a B story there of their adventures through Hong Kong. Like when they're eating the food. Like, oh, that was kind of it's fun. so good. And they, yeah, they're eating and, and then the guy goes, they're eating. He's like, like no, I don't eat here. Go, <laughs> yeah, the local cop. He's like, oh, you want to join us? No, I never eat here. <laughs> <laughs> that was legit great. Was... Yeah, that held up. Yeah. That held up. Uh, so he's hit the road to Hong Kong. These guys are following him. Because essentially, because he's like a, he's a army weapon, he's, you know, Green Beret or SAS or whatever it is. Yeah. And essentially the army's like, well, he can't go and fight this tournament, get injured. We've got missions for him. Like we've invested in this dude. That's the, yeah. why they're chasing him. So Frank gets to Honkers, get a nice little montage of Honkers. Um, he's in the foyer of the hotel. He's playing a video game that we aforementioned, video mm-hmm. game where he meets a big, uh, beer swigging, bearded, burly brawler named Jackson, and they become besties. Then they meet their little chaperone, which is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. He's great, Lynn. How man, his tracksuits are fire. Those yeah. little. Matching. I didn't realize because I only noticed in the wide angle shots in this, but he must be like two feet tall because Van yeah. Damme's pretty short. Yeah, yeah. And he's Heap short. knee high to him. Yeah. Like. He goes, "You Jackson, you look like a Jackson. That makes you Frank Ducks, right?" No, no, no. Dukes. He's dukes. Oh, like put up your dukes, right? Now, this is number one Kumite. Fighters from all over the world. My job is to make sure you guys don't get in trouble outside the ring and get disqualified. That's not necessarily what he says, but it's something like that. Uh, that was so, beautiful. That's a special scene. I, that's really stuck with me in, in my life. So then they go. There's another amazing bit when he gets to the center, to where they're going to fight. Yeah. And the guy's like, okay, USA. He's got a big head. Oh, that guy does have a big head. Big face. Like, yeah. Like yeah. gigantism. Yeah. Like yeah. he looks like he should be nine feet tall. Okay, you will say. He looks like he should be one of those freak players in the NBA. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have any skill. He's just strangely tall. Um, and then, so then there's another point in the scene where they get there and he goes, you say you represent Tanaka clan? You don't look like Tanaka. If you're Tanaka, show me dim mark. And everyone's, quiet. Like, everyone stops what they're doing. All the tr- cut, cut. Everyone's warming up at the background, but they stop. And then they say... And they wander over. 
Not those peanuts. No, not fist. He goes, the ones at the bottom. Hey, Jackson, pick a, pick a brick. And he goes, okay, Frankie, that one. And then he's like, what? He's about to break it. There's a big pile of bricks. And he goes, hey, not that one. What does he say? Bottom one. <laughs> oh, no way. He can't break the bottom. That's, everyone takes notice then, don't yeah, they? Yeah, and they all stop. Chung Lee stops. They walk over. And then he goes, what? Ah, and he gives it the dim muck. And he yeah. explodes the bottom brick without any of the others breaking. What's the deal on that one? Is that the real thing? I knew you were going to ask me yeah. that. I read that it's like a in theory a thing, but... I've not seen it. Yeah. So, I mean, Van Damme did not do that. We know Van that Damme much. did not do that. Um, I think Frank Dukes tried to... Van Dukes says he it. did it. He's like, yeah, it's like hitting cue balls and you have six balls. Yeah, that's what I read. It's like you hit it with such force when the cue ball stops. It's that same yeah. dynamic. Look, I'm in no place to be a definitive <laughs> authority on <laughs> Dimmuck. Yeah, you and know it's viability. Why? Why are we doing this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> what are you bringing to this? <laughs> We're just a couple of guys. We're a couple of guys. We got no authority. No right. No right <laughs> to be in your ear holes. <laughs> but thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. So yeah, yeah no. Mac. So kind of from here, we go into remember in the tournament mode. So there's there's two speeds. The rest of the movie, there's fight fighties. Yeah. And then there's outside the world, Gurley and Chasey's. Oh. And, oh, yeah. The and Bunsies. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's forming his... That's how you learn to put on undies. Yeah. But that's the girl <laughs> bit. The girl bit, yeah. yeah. We'll talk to... We, maybe we can discuss her. She falls hard, too. Like, they, they've known each other a day, and she's she's like, no, don't... Well, I can't remember what she's... She knows Matei and all the words. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty weird. Um... So, but what's the overall picture in terms of like, is this good fighting? That's what I was curious of your point. Uh, yeah. So, under when I was looking, there's some legit people in here, right? Are they all legit? I, uh, I don't know. I, I did try and do a bit of digging and looking. Yeah. So apparently, there's, there's no stunt people. There's no stunt people. Apparently, a lot of them are dancers. Yeah. Um, the Paco is yeah, legit. Paulo Tocharles. Yeah, he's legit. But then you've got as well, probably the most interesting one. So Mythbuster, yeah, um, Joe Rimini, if you're listening, Mythbuster for you, buddy. <laughs> um, there's common conception that one of the characters, that Tong Po, if you're not a Van Damme fan, Tong Po is the arch ne- uh, enemy in Kickboxer. Oh yeah, oh that's who I was thinking of. Yeah, okay. Tong Po, he wears the, he's got the big shape, he's a giant tiger eye with the ponytail. Plaited ponytail with a shaved head. Right. Is he not, he's not in this. He is. Oh, okay. He, he is, is in this. But most people, well, I've, most people, I've definitely heard from, I thought as well, actually. Yeah. I thought that he was the Turkey, well, Syrian guy. You know, now I show you some tricotto. Right, yeah. That guy. That's the, uh, it's not him. That's not him. Right. And I was watching it this time. And I was like, man, he's pretty, because that guy is actually shorter than Van Damme in the bar. Right, yeah. Significantly. He's got to be like 5'7", man. He's he's not tall. Yeah. Anyway, it turns out that, yeah, Tong Po is in, is in, uh, is in this. Yeah. But he's actually one of the other, like one of the other guys, I forget his name, um, uh, Swan Parades. But it's he's in a couple of the fights. He's like a fairly like thick kickboxery type style diet, like fairly dark looking, like right. could be sort of. Mediterranean, almost Middle Eastern sort of looking guy. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, so he's interesting. So from talking a bit about him, 
Uh, his name, I think it's Michael Kissy. K, uh, sorry, Q-I-S-S-I. Interesting story. So I'm going to go into that. He is born in Morocco, moved to Brussels, Belgium. Mm. Began training boxing earlier, you know, early champion, studied Muay Thai, shot the karate, same as who? Van Damme, oh. the guy we're talking about. So he became mates with Van Damme, like as a young age. Yeah. Oh, no, it was, as before, pre this. Yeah, in Brussels. Oh. These guys went to fucking Hollywood together. Ah. Um, yeah. They went 80- together. So this is like an Arnie Franco Colombo situation. Correct. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, isn't it? Lovely. So these guys in 82 went to the States together to become action stars. Um, they both were cast in extras in some movie. Oh, that's cool. They both got a three picture deal. From this? From Canon, um, from that Menem Golan guy. Right, starting with this movie. Starting with this movie. I think it was Kickboxer. Kickboxer, yeah. And he was Tong Po. And then they're both in Lionheart as well. And Kissy's brother, Abdel, played the main villain. Um, right. What's his name? I forget his name. Uh, something like Atlas or one of those. Like, I don't we know. need to do, or probably already exists, just like an infographic of the Van Damme film universe. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be cool. So that I found that fascinating. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's uh, well, that's what I found fascinating even with the writer and like some of the other ingredients in this movie, how they were so intertwined with later Van Damme things. Like it's interesting to see it as one piece of work almost. Yeah. Like it's all connected. It's amazing. Yeah. So Tong Po, it's like the Marvel which we'll universe. get to more in Kickboxer, <laughs> it is basically the, it's the Marvel universe. Yeah. Tong Po's like his best mate from growing up. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I never, I never knew that. That's which, cool. Yeah, job done, podcast. So cool. Can I read um, out my favorite bit of trivia from the movie? Yeah, go. I just copied it word for word because it's it's very simple, but I just thought it was hilarious. Ray Jackson does not use any recognized martial art at any point <laughs> in the film. <laughs> Can you verify this, Greg? <laughs> well, this is interesting because, yeah, he doesn't. <laughs> he almost beats um, Chong Lee very quickly. <laughs> And yep. then doesn't, so famously. I'm going to get into the significance of this film in terms of mixed martial arts. So uh, yeah, yeah. MMA. And this is probably a good segue because actually Jackson, so in the early days of the UFC, there was a fighter called Tank Abbott. Right. And Tank Abbott was basically Jackson. He right. was His style, bunny ears, was brawler. Right. And he looked like a bike. He had a big beard. He was yeah. a big unit. And he basically just... Is this pre-Jackson no, this would have, no. So, no. Right. Um, the first UFC fight was in 93. MMA probably existed prior in some capacity. Well, it existed in secret at the Kumite. At the Kumite. Yeah. So, so <laughs> yeah, so whilst he, you know, it doesn't matter if he's not displaying any. Clear. Oh, no, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like the whole point, I guess, yeah. but it's yeah. just funny. <laughs> it's pretty hilarious. But the, there is a guy, there was that, there's been that guy in real life, Tank Abbott. And does he just need a few beers to get going or something? I, I like to think so. He's yeah. a Hall of Famer. Like, he's a legend of the sport. Really? Yeah. His record is in the negative, but he, but he's a, he's a legend of the right. sport. Yeah, like yeah, He won yeah. big fights and he just kept going. That's so but, cool. Yeah. It, is, it's, it was really, it was quite a little, a nice little tidbit. I mean, what are some highlights of the fights? Like, there's the famous nut punch, which, as we learned, more of a bladder punch, Apparently perhaps? it was a bladder punch, which I'm not too familiar with bladder strikes. Liver strikes are a very effective 
common yeah. move in MMA these days. Oh, was it liver? No. Not common. They're quite hard. But was it liver strike then? No. It was, no, it was apparently a bladder, bladder strike. Yeah. I don't even know where you, you... Where's your bladder? Just above you. I mean, if you had to pee, that might hurt. Yeah. I'm, you're still protected by your abs there, aren't you? I mean, a punch is going to hurt. I don't but, know. I guess you are technically with the yeah. liver as well. Um, Fight-wise, for me, it didn't date that well, watching the fights. Okay. I yeah. thought a lot of it was crap. Yeah. So watching Bola, uh, Chung Leaf, and not disrespecting him as a martial artist, but the purpose of the fight. He was not fighting. No, like well. he just like grabbed the guy's legs. Yeah. And pulled him over and then like yeah. stomps on him and kicks him. Like it, there wasn't, there weren't fight sequences. Yeah, yeah. Van, it was a, it's a good vehicle for, for Van Damme to showcase his athleticism and yeah. his beautiful kicks, which yeah. I'm not arguing that. Yeah. But there, I didn't watch that going, that's some real fight choreography going on. Yeah. In quite the opposite. But it's. What would be the, were, were any close? Like, what would be the closest? Like um, the ones with Polo, Tocha, or whatever, or. I can't, yeah, I kind of like the. Uh, the kick in the armpits ones. I did enjoy yeah. that. Yeah, I still <laughs> I like enjoyed that. Because they look like they're kicking each other, too. Probably, I still enjoyed that. Yeah. So that was probably a highlight. Yeah. Because kickboxing. Thai boxing was new then, right. like, at least for me. Yeah. Um, you it's know, the whole thing now, right? Yeah. So it probably it's huge wasn't now. As, it's like yeah. probably the biggest just about, but yeah. um, then it wasn't. Yeah. So just these like super powerful kicks, that that very distinctive stance where yeah. elbows in. It always stood out to me even as a kid. Yeah. High high fist, light front foot, really oh, just yeah, yeah, popping yeah. off. I really I really dig his tat as well, that the high winged eagle. Yeah, he was cool. Yeah, he was cool. He's South African. Apparently. Should we cover um, Chong Lee's evil ways? The uh, the knee, the leg thing still fucked with me a bit. Did it? Yeah, I think just because I knew it was coming, it was, that was the part I remembered the most from being a kid. Uh. But then the part, like I was saying, I forgot that he killed a guy and I was very shocked. I think that's the best part of his performance was just acting like a psychopath as the crowd cheers and he's like... That, yeah, that he crazy noise though. It's like they put him no, on but mute. I thought it was—I thought it was almost crazier. Like he's just fucking nuts. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. I don't know if that was intentional, but that's just—I reckon it wasn't. Yeah, it probably wasn't. I probably didn't. Give they him, forgot to plug the mic. They in probably that didn't day. give him any audio because he doesn't speak English. Yeah. There was a couple. There was one fighter that uh, Van Dam fought that apparently one of the—I think he's Chinese guys that he fights later in the silky in the grey silkies. And he, they had the little kick off, and he's kind of they're kind of mirroring each other with these great kicks. Uh, Apparently, yeah, yeah. they had to tell him to tone down the other guy to tone oh. down his kicks. They're like, man, your kicks are probably a little bit too good at the moment. We want Van Dam's to be better. Whoa! So tone it, tone it back. Huh. I don't, but I, I I went digging on him, and I couldn't find anything. Um, so the fighting maybe doesn't hold up as much as we would like. It didn't for me, no. Yeah. Um, no, it didn't. What about you? What have you, have you got anything? Uh, I got. Burning. I mean, ultimately, in terms of does it hold up, I still loved watching it. So I think it holds up in its cult status. Like it's this is ultimately ultimately a cult film, right? Yeah. It means it doesn't really age the same way as other films age. To me, it's almost like it just ferments and becomes more potent. So like, while I see its flaws, the overall dish I'm still digging. Mm. It's just it's. Um, I'm not gonna watch it regularly, but I will revisit this yeah. movie ongoing for sure and it's a huge part of its nostalgia absolutely but it's um there's something about it that's i find compelling well i think part of it now as an adult is probably the frank duke's mythology and all that that wore off a bit for me because i think the bullshit around it kind of like oh 
But that's more why, though, because oh, yeah, I, I, I look at it as like, who is this guy? Like, what yeah, was the right. real thing? Well, I mean, the most impressive cultural legacy of this film, hands down, is the Mentos commercial in the middle of the movie. Oh, so good. The oh, scene we'll where Frank, on Insta. Frank we'll on Insta. is running around Hong Kong getting chased by Forrest Whitaker and the other guy. It's just like, what goes better than life? Fresh go make burn with mental pressure full of life. If it does a thumbs up. If it does a thumbs up at the end. It's I'll, so perfect. It's a Mentos ad. Yeah. All right. We're going to put that up on Insta. Yeah. We'll make yeah. it work. We'll put Can it we? on. Because you need, you need the visual. The, um, I got a good legacy item on this one. Mortal Kombat. Correct. Yeah. So Mortal Kombat, the video game, none other than Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Influenced one of the key characters, Johnny Cage. Yeah, JC. Yeah, JC. Yeah, same initials. Same as Jesus Christ. And same as Jesus Christ. Illuminati. <laughs> I don't know. Um, does his signature move? Blitz, bladder punch, apparently. That is such a fucking His was a nut move. punch. But he was all Hollywood and he had the sunglasses on. So he was blatantly Van Damme. I've got a little uh, blurb on that. So the developers were initially asked to create a game based on the Van Damme movie Universal Soldier. But the deal fell through, forcing developers to scramble to not lose their work. Instead, they capitalized on the Van Damme persona by creating the character Johnny Cage. Note the same initials as Gregory pointed out. A conceited Hollywood actor type whose signature move was the split and whose spandex and sash costume is actually the same as Van Damme's in Bloodsport. Yeah. But what's crazy about that is then that gets made into a movie. So it was like Mortal Kombat technically like in the Bloodsport Whoa. family. But then what's weirder than that Vice versa. is Van Damme's actually in the Street Fighter movie, which is the opposite of Whoa. Mortal Kombat. So that's like a weird, whoa, man. Wow. 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 That's nice. Life imitating art. Imitating, imitating art. video game. Imitating, imitating art. Kumite. Video game. Yeah. But there were sequels there too. I didn't see any of the sequels. Jackson's no. in them. Uh, yeah. Only he's the Jackson. Only, he's the only guy. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Does it, the same thing happen to him in every movie? <laughs> I'm not, I haven't seen him. He gets in a coma every movie. I probably have some, seen him. Some guy has to it. get revenge. I think an like important revenge part of the of legacy. The yeah. Yeah, he's in Revenge of the in. Nerds. He's in that. The yeah, ogre he's, or something. Yeah, he's the bully. I think to your point, a good one that we should not overlook is perhaps the impact that this movie has made in MMA as a thing in culture. Yes. Not that this created MMA, but just in terms of it becoming a... Absolutely. So... Yeah, the, the cultural legacy of this film is definitely MMA. Yeah. So MMA probably existed to some extent prior, probably. But this is definitely the earliest sort of springboard in terms yeah. of mass understanding and introduction. I guess like anyone that likes martial arts or trains martial arts has debated over what styles are the best. Yeah. You know, like there's always style versus style chat. That's the, that's existed since martial arts itself. Yeah. And that's why UFC or MMA became so popular because people liked in the early days it was really stylistic. Style versus style. And now it's like, like it was like style versus style, but now it's like people are doing mixes of styles. Yeah, it's so who's it's just, who's best right. at combining. I never thought of it elements. that way. So that's that's pretty big. I think this yeah, like the 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 bike shorts he wore in this was actually pretty significant because that was Frank Duke putting that together. And like right. that's a pretty standard outfit for UFC fighters now. Like a lot yeah. of guys wear either bike shorts or shorter bike shorts. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty common. Um, so the year, first UFC was five, UFC one was five years after Bloodsport. So if you look at Bloodsport 
it's quite interesting and and probably ultimately limited in the styles that it covers. Yeah, and they're pretty random. So you've yeah. got Frank Dukes is a like and some form of ninjutsu. Yeah, it comes across mostly as karate sort of. Well, and the real Frank Dukes had his own form of ninjutsu eventually, yeah. right? So yeah, 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 makes yeah. Bolo yeah. Young, he's a Chinese guy, but I think in the playing a film Korean. Is Korean, yeah. So that would be Hapkido, I think. You would assume, yeah, because he's not Taekwondo. Yeah. So there's those. There's obviously Muay Thai in in Paco and yeah. And a couple of others. There's coconut. Coconut cracker. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. There's sumo, which I like. Sumo's good. Yeah. Sumo's a good addition. I reckon that guy would take a nut shot. Yeah. I reckon he would have eaten him. You'd hit, you'd probably wouldn't hit the nut. You'd just hit some thigh or something. Yeah. Yeah. You're not getting nuts in there. Yeah. Um, there's obviously a few types of kung fu sort of dancing through there, like mostly the wushu kind of exotic ones and karate, I think. But, like, if you're looking, if you add those lists together, in the world of MMA, the most notable emission there is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, BJJ. Yeah. So, quick little recce on BJJ for our non-martial arts buddies listening. Like, in the scheme of things, BJJ is a, a newer martial art. So, we talk when we talk about Kung Fu, Karate, they're all, like, they're quite old. They've been doing for centuries, whereas BJJ was traced only back to, like, the 1920s or something. Right. But more specifically, it's it's definitely the most revolutionary style of martial art in MMA. Right. Um, so UFC one, you know, all these guys entered. There's karate guys. There's boxers. And there was a guy called Hoist Gracie, Brazilian guy, and he got into the ring. And my most guys were wearing like little, yeah, little like biker shorts and stuff. And this guy was wearing a full gi, like a you know traditional right gi with a belt. And yeah. The, you know the heavy white martial arts gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this guy, he was about six one. He wasn't short, six foot maybe, um, but he only weighed about eighty kilos tops on, on his heaviest day. Probably, probably even back then, he probably was lighter. Probably closer to seventy five or something. Right. He beat everyone, so he won the first one. Huh. He basically he would sort of keep a distance and he'd shoot, take people down, and when kickboxers or boxers uh, were on their back, they didn't know what to do, yeah. and he would basically just smother them. He won the first four. He won every fight by submission. He was near a lot of chokes, um, arm bars, whatever. Yeah. And it wasn't until the fifth that he had a draw and they went with Ken Shamrock, they went for like 36 minutes. So uh, basically where that nets out is there was no BJJ in this. So if there was a remake, BJJ would have to be included because that's right. like the evolution. And interestingly, when I did read, because there's been a, we- a remake in the works for a while. Yeah. Um, by Philip Noyce has been penciled as a Yeah, director. he's Aussie. He's Aussie. He's a uh, rabbit-proof fence. Did you do that? Yeah. Oh. But he also did Clear and Present Danger. So he he's apparently it's like some stuff had been done, but the remake apparently, guess where it is set? Bahamas. Is it? Brazil. Ah. Frank Dukes Kumite, the original. His, it was set in the Bahamas. He said it was in the Bahamas. That's like advertisers when they want to film an ad. Like, we need to go to the Alps. We need to go to Bruges. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, based off what you're saying, I think I would like, I don't often say this, but I wouldn't mind maybe a reboot, a better demonstration of the different fighting styles and shit. It would be yeah, kind of cool. Yeah, I don't know what it would be now because MMA's covered, right? Like, they've Yeah, but maybe it's more puristic movies. and it's representation of the different crafts and like, I don't know. Like, what if it was more like kickboxing like, versus karate? Like old school. Yeah, but be. if it was, or maybe it's set in the 70s or know. something. Maybe it's called The Ooh, Quest. Oh, yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah, said it back then. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Maybe do a movie on Host Gracie. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'll watch that. Um, 
touch on quickly. Obviously, I think if we're talking about this kind of movie, obviously in our Showdown Little Tokyo episode, we talked about the representation of Asians at this point in, in American films. And what when yep. was, was that 89, was it, um, Showdown? Somewhere between 89 and 92. I had my whole rant about how Hollywood was scared of Japan at the time and the two Asian stereotypes in film at that point were the scary yep. yellow terror, air quotes, not my words, or the harmless helper. So every Asian character was either like the, the scary yellow terror or the harmless helper. Yeah. And this movie, Bloodsport, actually ages better in that regard because it doesn't conform to that. So th- there's there's just all kinds of Asian characters, I guess. Yeah, yep. I mean, there's definitely a bit of white saviorness with, you know, the first, the Western guy is the best at the, the Eastern martial arts, uh-huh. but... Outside but of that, yeah, but there's it's, re- there's, it's not just the Western guy. You've obviously yeah, got and and Bola, uh, Lee is obviously a pretty black Asian varieties. Yeah, everyone's there. Yeah, and Chong Lee is obviously a pretty cartoony, straight up evil guy. But he's not the only Asian guy in the movie. So it's yeah, yeah. So in that sense, it kind of ages a bit better than Showdown Little Tokyo, just purely from that point of view, which I thought was probably yeah. worth calling out. True. How did you feel about the Bechtel? <laughs> well, there was one female in the whole thing. She didn't talk. She didn't even, doesn't even pass the premise, like not even <laughs> step zero. I think the only thing this has to do with the Bechdel is that movies like this are the reason the Bechdel exists. Because <laughs> she's not a, like, he, they make a bet on her and then he winks. Trust me, babe. Trust I'm a me, karate babe. guy. <laughs> Trust me, I'm a karate guy. I want that on a T-shirt for Greg. <laughs> With a white belt printed on? Yeah, I'm not a karate guy. <laughs> That'd be cool. Trust me, I'm a karate guy. Um, karate guy. Who's your MVP? Cool. Good question. I'd like to say it was Bolo, but... But. But. Fighting let him down. Man, oh, look, Space... Like, if this is Van Damme's movie, man. This movie launched him. The things he was doing in this movie were unseen... We hadn't seen a guy that was as like big and physically impressive yeah. as he was doing and the things moving he was like doing. That. Yeah, that was brand new, and it. Well, that's kind of what I'm getting at with the lap pack meets martial arts a little yeah. bit too, right? Yeah, man, the aesthetic it was, it was of huge. Lap pack, doing the like. Yeah, Arnie can't do that shit. Not yeah. many people can. So, as a kid watching this, this guy was fucking next level yeah. inspiring. So, it's his movie. Yeah. So as much as I love. Bolo and I love Lynn as well and Jackson. This is his movie. Yeah, I think that's a fair call. Can we can we go on record in saying that it is the ambition of this podcast to get him on this show? Yep. Somehow, um, we're going to put that on the record. Yeah, with that in mind. So since this is our first Van Damme special and one in every 10 episodes will be mm-hmm. one little segment we want to do is just how Van Damme is this movie. Yeah. So so Greg and I wrote a little synopsis of every Jean-Claude Van Damme movie ever, actually quite a few years ago now, which we have resurfaced for the purpose of this very podcast. And what we wrote in those days was, Jean-Claude Van Damme plays an American, air quotes, who wears high-waisted pleated pants in a foreign land on a quest to seek revenge for a fallen loved one at the hands of a morally corrupt racial stereotype. But he's about to find out Training to fight his enemy <laughs> means facing the enemies within and slowly doing the splits. <laughs> he also gets his buns out. So how does this movie fit in that template? What do we well, let's list them out. Let's list, list them, them out. out. 
So how about, how do they explain the accent? He's playing an American. The character he's based on is American, Frank yeah. Dukes. But there is a scene in this movie where they do sort of explain that he's an immigrant. His the parents meeting. Remember that scene? I missed this. I can't remember it. When um, Shidoshi's family and his family and his like, oh, I right. came to this country too to learn oh, to you, grow a tree yeah, or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so they kind Ooh, of that plan- was subtle. They're kind of, yeah, exactly. Gets, yeah, that was a good one. That's why I wanted to relook it there. So I'm like, okay, they planted good. it. That's probably better than accent the, explained. It's like accent explained. Um, pleated pants. That's a bingo. They're up to his nips. They they are. Could we add uh, uh, spaghetti singlet? Spaghetti singlet. Well, yeah, they kind of go together, don't they? Pleated pants. And I think the more pleated the pants and the tighter the singlet, that ratio is peak. Yeah, peak Van Dam. Mysterious foreign land. Yep. In this case, Hong Kong, but they did they did their best to make it a mysterious kind the of city. So yeah, walking through lots of alleyways and things. Um, splits. He did the splits. He did the splits a total of eight times in this picture. Yeah, seems excessive. They milked it. Yeah, gosh, he can it. do the splits. Though. But we're checking all the boxes here. I mean, this is really this is really something morally corrupt, racial stereotype. We've got Chong Lee. I mean, he is a stereotype in the sense of yeah, the old cliche of the uh, uh-huh. like yellow terror. Um, he's avenging a friend because he gets Jackson. Yeah, yeah, makes oh, hundred percent. That's all yeah. working out. That's all working out. Finally, buns taught me how to put my undies on. Yeah, the buns are in there. So I'd say at this point, we've done one film so far, but this is the front runner in the most Van Dam of all Van Dam movies. <laughs> one from one, baby. One from one. But this will be the scorecard we apply to each and every Van Dam film. Oh, and can we give a special shout out to Pierre Ruffini, young Van yeah. Dam. I found his. I found his fan club, but it's alive. <laughs> oh, I found his. I assumed he wouldn't have made it this long. <laughs> he couldn't get out a window. He came in through. <laughs> I know he's got the fighting spirit and all, but <laughs> I found a biography of uh, Pierre Ruffini. This is about ten pages long, but I'll give you a little just the headlines or just the first paragraph of his biography. Pierre Ruffini was born in Marseille, France in 1972 to an underprivileged family of gypsies. His father, Jean-Paul, a naturally gifted sprinter, was accused of treason by the local gypsy government and was banished from the community. Go on. Is it real? It's not real. This left Pierre as the sole provider for his nine sisters and his Mongolian mother, Inca. (laughs) Who has done this? It's so long. It's great. I don't know. If it's true, awesome. If it's not true, awesome. I love it. Anyway, it's probably about time to wrap things up. This has been our first Van Damme episode. Yeah. It's been a delight. And we reserve the right to reference back to this film in future Van Damme episodes, but I think we've covered it pretty well. If we've missed anything, do let us know. Um, Hit us up on Gmail, doubleimpactpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Just up on Instagram. How do they do that, Greg? Um, through the internet. <laughs> but yeah, that's the show. Let us know. Big shout out to people that are giving us positive feedback. And thanks for all the support so far, yeah. guys. And actually, on that point, it does actually mean a lot to us if you leave a review, or even just a star rating on, on yeah. Apple Podcasts. Thanks, makes Mom. Us, thanks, Mom. It makes us more visible to like-minded weirdos. So get in get in there and do it if it, if you like us, if you like the show. Not if you thanks, like Carol. us. Thanks, Carol. Thanks, Carol. Thanks, Zara. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, everybody. Yeah.